Welcome to another episode of Like Dragon, Like Sun. I'm Jay Oatway, one of your hosts. Uh, I am Jack Oatway, another one of your hosts. I am the son of Like Dragon, Like Sun. And I am the dragon. Um, Before we get started today, just want to remind everybody out there that we do have a blog that goes along with our episodes that uh, digs deeper into many of the things that we talk about on the show. If you want to try and find us, uh, the easiest thing to do, of course, is to type like dragonlikesun.com into your browser and have it send you over to our website where you will find our blog and every episode. And I don't know how you found us or listening to us at this point if you haven't already done that, but hey, share it with your friends. Let them know it's there. Come on down. Check it out. Tell us what you think. Mm-hmm. We're, we're trying this out. Um, it's been, it's been a, a, a journey of learning, I think, for both of us and how setting things up like this works. Who, who'd have thunk that uh, rolling a d20 would uh, lead us to eventually well, sitting around a microphone? Speaking of rolling a d20, d20, now we're rolling online digital d20s. Yeah, digital dice. They, they're definitely hitting their uh, prime time. Well... I mean, I mean, it's the perfect time to invest if it were investable. I mean, this is when you've got to push you all the collection of stuff. digital dice. Is that what you're saying? Uh, yeah, we a we got to get it going. Digital dice collection. That's right. Rather than physical dice collection, we can start a digital dice collection. You know, it doesn't doesn't take up any space, yeah. but you're still proud of what you own. How many pretty dice you have? Definitely. Um, I suppose I, I'm a little bit proud that on D and D Beyond we are the proud owners of the Gygaxian old school because that's, right. that's me I'm I'm a Gygaxian old school that's right I mean he pulled out his old clickety clack dice set from back in the day chewed on by a variety of of teens yeah uh, it's true I still have my original uh set of orange dice that came in a box uh the the basic Dungeons and Dragons basic set um 1984 it was a a strange time for dice back then they were they weren't plentiful and widely available in all sorts of materials like they are today you got one in a box uh, set like that uh 1d20 1d12 1d10 1d8 1d6 and 1d4 and it came with a crayon was there a d100 no you just rolled the d10 twice right yeah, and there was no extra D20 for rolling advantage. The advantage wasn't even invented yet. It was before anybody had advantage. The upside to that was that nobody had disadvantage either back then. Um, mm. But yeah, you had to color in your dice. You had to use the crayon. And uh, yeah, for me, I thought they were the perfect dice because uh, my birthday was on Halloween. Uh, still is on Halloween. My birthday being on Halloween, and then I got the D&D set as a Halloween present or as a birthday present uh, that orange and black were like pumpkin dice they were perfect mm. like the jack-o'-lantern dice that's quite cool and yeah you've seen them since they they went through a, a lot of people chewed on them I don't know why we have this thing back in the day 
like we were always putting the dice in our mouths. Like we we're always chewing on dice. Like weird. Nobody does that anymore, thankfully, because it's a disgusting habit. Well, now that's going to be the new craze of chewing on digital dice. Yeah, don't chew on your digital dice. Don't. It's just mm. it's a uh, it's hard on your laptop screen. <laughs> of course, right. Well, we've got plenty to talk about. I mean, we want to talk about Sonics coming up, but we maybe want to do a steal this character type uh, thing with that, and we do need to do a little bit more research into how things have changed. And yeah, so I'm I'm rebuilding. We'll do that next episode because I'm rebuilding. Stay tuned, folks. Uh, my aberrant mind sorcerer into a new uh, psychic soul sorcerer, and we'll see how she turns out. Mm. I can discuss some of my perspectives on the way they're approaching psionics um in this new way yeah ditching the mystic class well i think you can make a, a cool jedi out of cyanites and stuff now as well so it's we'll, true we need to come up with like a little jedi we'll do a couple of builds we'll do a couple we'll do quick builds, builds maybe that. that could be cool yeah well today i want to talk about something that i've noticed being a fairly un like for new players this is one thing that often confuses them is the eight schools of magic in D&D. Of course, now there's, there's Dunamancy, if you count that. Well, but Ten, then. Well, what's the ninth? Uh, invention. That is not a school of magic, and you it, know it. It was. It it's was. not a school of magic. And for the listeners who have just started playing D&D and you go looking for it, it's not there anymore. But if you were around for a while at the right time, and this is actually something I recommend, all of you out there right now, Go and build yourself a character don't. with every UA that comes out. No. Because no, here's no, the great no. thing. If they discontinue that UA, you still get to keep the characters. They get archived, and you get to have these weird, cool builds that still exist, that are still playable, uh, that But the whole point is that they're archived because does. they're not playable. Not completely true. Well, you can still, but you could print them out and still have them in person, or you could just still make them. I mean, the UAs are still public. But, but, but because the way I've built them on D and D Beyond, I can still level them up. I can still move them through their their theoretically. It's it's just slightly harder to do. You could just go into Homebrew and make yourself the yeah. old archived UA. Nobody has, nobody has time for building entire like character subclasses. In. But it's not building an entire one. It's like literally just copy pasting. I suppose. I mean, with all the technology out there, I'm sure that's Control C enough. and Control V. Command C, Command V. It's, yeah, it's powerful technology. And it also teaches you some of like the, the framework behind how D&D Beyond works, you know, behind how they set senses and, and yeah. ability scores and things and like that. Yeah, some things, some things once archived, though, you may never get to do again. Like the current way that the psionic dice and things are working make something with it while it's here because if they decide to ditch that system there'll be no way to add that add that back in it could be a feat you could add a couple feats in i suppose maybe i mean but you have to like write the whole thing up well there's still copy it's still published on their website they keep everything there i mean your digital digital dice aren't going to work with it (laughs) well they it's true it's true they currently do but I mean, we'll just see how things change. That's a whole other topic to delve into. But back on track, the eight schools of magic, eight disregarding of magic. invention. Yeah. Because um, that was never a school of magic. I don't know about previous editions, but in 5e, as I know it, there are eight schools of invention, which you can pick as wizard subclasses, including war magic and some other ones, but we'll delve into that in a second. Sure. Um, starting off alphabetically, abjuration is, you see it, 
pretty much like in a lot of magic items, pasted on things, especially its symbol. It's pretty iconic, um, although you might not recognize it. Um, a lot of magic items and a lot of spells revolve around this, and it's very sort of universal. It, and it's, it's one of those words you have to look up because possibly you've never used the word adjure. Mm. I, I feel like I've looked it up and still don't find a connection with what it means in D&D a lot of the time. But it, it, for D&D, it just basically means protecting things. It's wards, guards, protections, all that jazz. And once you get to higher levels, it can start meaning imprison in creatures and banishing creatures to sure. their other home There's a restraining of others in it. There's yeah. uh, essentially the idea of protection, cancellation. Um, I mean, some very notable conjuration, or sorry, uh, abjuration spells being that of counterspell or dispel magic or yeah. banishment or shield. You know, very simple reactionary or things you can set up to ward yourself and your, and your buddies. Sure. And, and for those of you who've not done wizards or have done them and never really figured out what the point of these subclasses are, like, because, hey, I can, I can be an abjuration wizard, an abjurer, mm-hmm. but I can still take all the other spells, like, Absolutely. whatever. But here's the kicker with that, right? There's everybody gets, uh, each of the schools gets a buff to their particular schools. Well, it's not a particularly powerful one. It's only being able to learn them at half the price still not bad uh and there's usually also something you know uh there's a feature connected mm. to each one uh the abjuration one being that you can create take a, a bucket ward. load of damage mm, you can right. tank a little bit with it that's right and at higher levels also being able to create wards around your friends and protect them a little bit yeah. more uh, and of course the 14th level feature being one of the most powerful ones that of complete resistance to damage from spells um, and I'm not sure if it does grant advantage on saving throws against spells, but I feel like that could be a feature granted in that. But very powerful, powerful ability. Resistance to all spell damage. Well, that brings us into our next school of magic, Conjuration. Is that the one where we conjure familiar animals? That's but... Find Familiar is a Conjuration spell. Um, I think it's one of the schools with the most ritual spells um, because there's a lot of... So, I mean, this is clear. Like, So, just back to the template. So... A lot of people are like, yeah, I want to I wanna have a familiar, I want to go this way. And that's great. That's like, when we talk about how we build characters, we like to make sure there's a really clear theme to mm. how a character gets built. So you have to kind of know what are they about. And if your character was really was about, he's like, you know, he or she is a real protector like really likes to like look after everybody around them. Maybe it's a bit of a motherly mother hen sort of figure. Abjuration would be really great. Like you want to really start to think about all the ways you want to protect everybody. And you kind of like lean into the theme of your character rather than sort of going the typical with the wizard where you're like, all right, let's take a like Swiss army knife approach and have a sort of smattering of everything. So I think like if you're going into conjuration, particularly if you're thinking, oh, I want to get a familiar. Although there's, you can don't have to be a conjuration wizard to take no, five There's familiar. plenty of ways. I mean, wizard Anybody is one of the easiest paths, but a couple other here, little side note, all the ways to get fine familiar currently. Eldritch Invocations, as well as the third level, Pact of the Chain feature um, from the Warlock. It doesn't require any previous subclass choice or invocation choice. And Taking those are Pact of the proper chain, familiars still. Proper familiars. Actually, it's a fine familiar spell. And you can ways. take the form of a, uh, a sprite, a quasit, 
a imp or a pseudo dragon. Those are just four additional sort of so cool. Cool. I mean, very cool. If you want your like Mulan pseudo dragon familiar, you got to go Pact of the Chain Warlock. I mean, it's you can also do more with it given there's also specific invocations and buffs to your familiar because you can attack with it uh, in certain scenarios. So um, it's certainly if you want to focus around your familiar and want to go edgy, Conjuration. Is, Are we still doing the, the second one? All right, go on. The Conjuration is the second one. Yeah. Um, it's the creation. Or so, well, you can think of it as summoning things to yourself. You could either imagine it as creating things from scratch or pulling things from other dimensions to where you are or sure. pulling things from other sort of parts of reality uh, to where you are. And this is, this is if you are some, a player and your DM is like a real hard ass about components mm. this the, is good then you this need is components the one you want to be right? you want to have components for this one i think more than any other school of magic potentially transmutation as well but we'll Which get to that the one that can create the components oh 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 yeah if you want to be able to create components and this is a great i mean looking at the third level feature or sorry second level feature you get with this yeah. where you can conjure any sort of small yep Thing that can fit in your hand for a little bit of time. Yep. Um, you can essentially override any material component. Not expensive ones, clearly. But if you're a DM, if you've got a DM who's like, no, I want you with a component pouch, and I want you to track all your supplies in it. You can now create. Go with this guy. Pinches like, of dirt, boop, 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 whatever boop, boop. it is that you need, right? I need a feather. I got a feather. Boom. I mean, it does take an action to set up, and so you want a, a little bit of time <coughs> to get that sort of going i mean it's not very applicable in combat unless you really need a component and your dm is super hard on yeah making you, sure you have it you're not conjuring up 500 gp diamonds here or anything that's true but they do go away i mean there's a question about whether or not they can be consumed but i as a dm would allow it frankly i think that's their power like that's their thing i can think of many other situations where they could be useful i'd let them like conjure platinum coins i wouldn't do anything that fits in their palm what about uh, a key to a locked door um, if they could get somehow figure out the exact pattern off for like how to open the door with it, that key, like if they made a mold of the perfect key that they needed in a certain material and they conjured that, then I'd be like, sure, they went to the effort of doing that, you know, but they can just conjure any key and expect it to work. Maybe if they had keen mind, could you look inside the lock hole and go, oh, I know what that looks like. Hmm. That's an interesting question. If you had, if you could make an investigation check, like with using like lock picks but you weren't trying to actually open the lock just look at what the shape was so that you could conjure the key i'd let them make a little bobby pin and then try and open it open pry it open yeah i actually have a character in a campaign who's got thieves tools but whenever i describe what she does for opening locks she just pulls a bobby pin out of her hair right i mean that's the that's the beauty of D. it's all about creativity and just, with conjuration you can be very creative i mean it's one of the most creative things in the game especially with summoning um although at higher levels uh, you can start to summon uh things like demons if you're into that idea or devils or uh, with this new unearth arcana release there's a bunch of summoning spells for yeah. all types of monsters you can summon anything except oozes now uh ex- really can you not summon there's no, oozes? There's no summon oozes oh final note Spare your DM a little bit when picking this. If you've already got combat that's perhaps complicated or you have a new DM, bringing out a bunch of summons is just going to slow the whole game down. 
yeah, look, if you are doing that sort of thing, be prepared. Be prepared. Know what you're doing. Like Don't rely on your druid, DM. Just like, like have an idea. Make sure you have your stat blocks for all the things. Speaking of druid, be have your stat blocks. Mm-hmm. Have them on a pieces of paper, extra like whatever it is that you need. So that when they pull them out, you're like, okay, here they are. Boom, let's go. I mean, Conjure Animals is the, of course, like the thing. Yeah, be a good player. Keep things quick at the table for your other fellow players and make life as easy as you can for your DM. I think one more note, Wish is a Conjuration spell. Just for notice, yeah. Because it can create things, it can do a lot of certain things, but it is classified as Conjuration, um, which is just a good thing to keep in note. Just something to think about. So it's cheaper to learn Wish if you're a Conjuration wizard. That's true. Half the time. Half if the gold. only the casting cost was half the price as well, that'd be great. <laughs> that would be a crazy ability. If you could, like, cast... Wow. That's actually not a bad idea. Hmm. Something to consider. A little, a little homebrew idea. A little Something table to rule there. That, and, well, because we were talking sometimes about how would you motivate people mm. to stay within their school of magic right yeah how do you incentivize that and currently the incentivization of like okay it's cheaper to learn within your class and you get a little like thematic boost man it's okay but it's even more okay if you were to say oh and the material costs if there's a price on them for anything inside your school of magic be half price that's actually that would make that would make some of the spell if you really wanted to build around a particular spell and you were like, yeah, every time I cast that, that's like, you know, what's gate? Like a thousand GP or something. That's also conjuration. Conjuration also portals and teleportation. Just a yeah. good thing to know. Why is teleportation conjuring? That's because cool. it's like pulling things through space, the idea. Because so. yeah. it's like you could think of like creating an object in your hand as like portaling it to your hand, right? Sure. And conjuring it, right? And you're so conjuring you're like yourself to a different space. Conjuring yourself to another place that it's, you're not actually in yet. It's the only way it makes sense without making a whole new school of magic called yeah. teleportation. Yeah, which would have to be like a whole new school of monsters for oozes. It just, it just breaks the game. <laughs> just breaks the game. They then moving on to D. Divination. I think one of the most like acknowledged except classes when it comes to builds for wizards, uh, especially given the uh, ability called portents, which is yeah. quite the ability. That's quite a good one. Um, it lets you essentially roll. Uh, I think at the start of the day, you can roll two d20s and just keep those. Those are your portents, and you keep them for the rest of the day. And any time you or a creature that you can see makes an attack roll, ability check, or saving throw, you can replace its roll with one of your portents. You've got a character in a campaign at school. I that currently you play do. That's, that's very cool. Um, French accent, Air Genasi. Um, so he's been touched by the the wind <laughs> well he was born of the wind and he born went to study arcana um in a in a school you know and he can see the divination is kind of about seeing the future right? it is it is and his eye his right eye was slashed out by sahuagin on his uh when he was back when he was a sailor and uh he started seeing visions in his dreams of things happening in the immediate future you know uh through his bandaged eye um, and so, that's yeah, so where he's he got like came a bandage across his eye. Yeah. Uh, didn't you put something in the bandaged eyes? Eye socket? Oh, yes, yes. The material components for the arcane, arcane eye spell, or is it the clairvoyant spell? I think it's the clairvoyant spell, um, which requires a either like a, a horn for hearing, I believe, or like a glass eye um, pearl type thing. And I have that in my eye. So you can use, so you, 
Yeah, so underneath that bandaged eye is a the glass component eye for the component in for the PowerPoints. So you could, which is kind of a fun idea. Yeah, I so you can kind of like you could cover your other eye and mm-hmm. sort of like see through the bad one. It's like sort of like dark vision almost. Yeah. Other place, like when pirates like do that thing. Yeah, yeah. Switching the eye batch over. That's funny. Yeah, but divination is all about seeing into the future, sort of gaining an understanding, sort of heightening your awareness. It could be like putting out sensors to locate objects or creatures. Like in those spells, locate object or locate creature. And at very high levels, um, I think the most notable spell being Foresight, you can essentially give a creature the ability to see into the immediate future, granting them advantage on all ability checks, attack rolls, and saving throws. Um, that's that's handy. But back in case we for eight hours, I just want to go back and underscore that importance thing. Mm. Those dice rolls. Now the worst of those dice rolls is if you roll like tens. Mm. Like you don't you want, to be don't want down the middle. You want you fairly... want a high one and a low one in there because mm. you can then substitute those. So if somebody's attacking you and they roll a nat twenty, you're like, nope, you're gonna have my three that I rolled at the beginning mm. of the day instead. But this is actually, I suppose, if ten even. If something hits you with a crit, you're like, no, I'm gonna give you the ten. And maybe with its bonus, it still hits you. But you've definitely negated the extra damage. So there, there's good ways to use those. I mean, the ultimate sort of portion that you might want is obviously a 20, right? Because you can get a, essentially a free crit. And you could, say, have yeah. a paladin on your team and give the paladin that free crit so they can yeah. do their big divine smite and do their thing. Or yeah. to the rogue who can then pull off their massive sneak attack or whatever, yeah. right? That's that's a super, super duper supportive. Very supportive, but also very sort of beneficial in multiple yeah. ways. And very, like, I've seen many builds where it's, like, been min-maxed or sort of analyzed to its the greatest point where you can ensure giant criticals and output massive damage and I mean, control the game. I mean, you're only rolling two d20s at the beginning of each day. Like, you're not going to get a 20 very often. Not very. Well, I mean, there's a one and two in, in 20 suppose, chance. But you're not typically going to be walking around with a 20 in your pocket all the time. It's true. It's true. But you might have a one in your pocket or you a very low number sure. or a very high number. Uh, but it's still nice sometimes to have something that's less sucky mm. uh, as than a your typical role. When, especially in the clutch moment, we mm. can swap it out. Or and the fact you can swap it out for anybody seems to be pretty awesome. Uh, plenty of clutch moments where you need a lock picked, or you need a you know a, a skill check like a persuasion check made, or something like that. Anything that switches out like a total failure or something that's mm. even a modest success. A very good thing to think about if you want to play a, a more supportive role or more sort of a less combat oriented role, a more exploration type role. Uh, this could be very helpful. You know, also seeing behind closed doors and things like that. Um, that's what this subclass or this school of magic is sort of all about. And many people think it's sort of related to like heavenly stuff and divine because it is called divination. Yeah, it's not that sort of But it's not like that at all. It's no. <clears throat> That's it's more like evocation surprisingly. Look for water. Mm. But that's subclass number three. I think number four then, moving on e. to E. Uh, there's two E. There's oh, evocation enchantment. and enchantment. I think enchantment, a lot of people... <laughs> what? Alphabetically enchantment. Alphabetically, yes. Um, I think a lot of people think it's sort of like fun, like charming, you know. Um, but I think, well, I it's, think it's the most evil subclass. I think it's the most evil school of magic out of the eight. I think it's very, very evil especially in the higher levels. Like, at it, it, lower levels, it's like, oh, I'm charming, I'm, like, soothsaying, I'm pulling little tricks here and there, yeah. right? Um, like, alongside illusion. And, and I think at there's a, levels, for those people who've, like, especially who've got some background in video games and things where you might be enchanting a magical, light, a magical item. It's not like that at all. D&D enchantments, 
That's not what they do. It's more thinking of it like bewitching or like putting control over another person in, in concept, right? Um, like, though, maybe something like <coughs> Minecraft might have the sort of idea of enchantments being you go to an enchanting table and put some sort of, uh, like, magical sort of thing on it, which gives it a bonus. That is almost more transmutation in nature, which we is actually the last subclass on our list. But enchantment uh, is all about sort of bewitching creatures and sort of bending them to your will, which I feel is in some ways the most evil, more evil than necromancy in many ways, which is perceived as very evil. Like, especially spells where, like, 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 uh, there's Gias, which is, like, literally, like, putting them under your control, and if they don't, like, follow you, they take massive psychic damage, like, rending their minds, and, like, it's really, really just awful, mind-controlling, horror, like, turn-the-party-against-each-other type stuff. Yeah, well, Especially at, if you lie at the very body. At the very lowest level of it, uh, one of the first ones you typically would pick up would be friendship. Friends? Friendship. Your friends. Friends. You know, do not want to pick up the friends' canship. It's friends. Here's, yes. here's a, a, a little tip. Friends is... Don't take the friends' canship. Friends... The, as it's written, basically says at the end of the spell, the person hates you. Yeah, they become hostile to you. The DM, if the DM's discretion, if they would attack you, they will attack you. You know, it's like it's a, it shouldn't be called friends; it should be called worst friend ever. Yeah, frenemies. Frenemy. I mean, for one minute you're a close friend, and then for the red, like then for but the rest it, of okay, the that's you're hostile. I mean, as much as that spell, if we both look at it and just go, why on earth would? Maybe we should figure out a way to build I mean, a character. That I mean, that's obviously the idea behind it. I've tried. It's it's like with it's up there with encode thoughts. It's real weird. I mean, you. I feel like you need to be evil. It's an evil thing. Enchantment yeah. is an evil. I think school. enchantment. As you start getting through it and look all the way through, it, you're like, nope. This is just things for evil NPCs evil, to evil, dick evil, with evil. people. Like like things like psychic scream. Or like you cause like it's this is like if you want to hurt people in their minds, there's obviously illusion, right? But that's many ways less like combat oriented um enchantment is very very evil you know yeah. very getting inside people's heads turning them like against their friends like totally like messing with them like this is really rough i mean they've got some interesting abilities like hypnotic gaze where they can incapacitate creatures in terms of the subclass i've actually also played an enchantment wizard myself he was a sort of a very frumpy tabaxi sort of like like Imagine like a cat who is given the ability to like charm their like, owners into petting it, and like that was my what, idea going into it. it and feeding it, right, and yeah, giving it love. It super fat, you know, very frumpy. Um, super fat tabaxi, and he is like intelligent, but he does sort of seek attention, and so he will happily use enchantment to get that attention. Um, that was a fun one to run, and I learned a lot about it. I think um, even in the show Critical Role, I think Matt thought enchantment. Like meant like enchanting magical items. Well, I think for a while he used it, it with Pumat's soul as an interchangeable term, and I can see where he brought it in from, you know, other games and things. Um, and it's like a bit confusing in your mind because you're like, well, how else do I describe putting magic onto an item if I'm not calling it? I mean, are we calling it crafting, or are we calling it, you know, mm. uh, something like that, rather than calling it enchanting? So it's, I it's think a tricky if you one. if you really want to make magic items. Uh, I think the two ways I would either go with it uh, is go Artificer, if your DM allows that. Um, although there is no like crafting thing himself, they literally create sure. magic items. Right, limited number and whatever. In, but there's also spells like Magic Weapon and things like that, which they get, which can put a sort of an aura, like a temporary magic onto sure. weapons. And there's, there's rules as written for 
you know, especially if you've got two or three wizards in your party, because hmm. who doesn't? Um, pulling your resources together so that you can actually create magic items. Hmm. There's a, a timetable for them. It's not that bad. Uncommon items, like 30 days and I don't know, a few hundred GP. But you divide that by the number of wizards working on it, uh, time-wise anyways, so you get like 10 days of downtime and boom, hmm. you've got yourself a plus one weapon. Exactly. Uh, I mean, there's also short-term enchantments which you can put on things like, well, not enchantments, sorry, um, transmutation or spell effects, not enchantments. This is an important thing to separate in D&D, and it was the thing that also confused me for a very long time. Um, but I think it's important to keep in mind that it is it is like about getting inside people's heads. Uh, when we talk about psionics, a lot of the sort of like almost like think of it like a Jedi mind trick style thing in some cases on like the very good side of it on the very evil side like very like enslaving people's minds and really messing with them like like fr- like freezing them in place or like moving them around or controlling them or dominating their minds like very like very evil I think in my mind and I think it's not appreciated as evil like for as evil as it is no and, and even the symbol on dnd beyond is kind of a pink color it's so. like a cutesy little pink enchantment yeah. you know that, that Lots always of throws fun, you off makes you know? it should be black it's, it should be it's black awful. with some yeah some yeah especially when you've got a spell named psychic scream like that's rough yeah um but that's enchantment uh for you then moving on to the other one the other e other e evocation right not to be confused with invocation not no invocations are a separate warlock thing only warlocks get him um i think every class should have something equivalent to invocations to make them more customizable i think invocations are brilliant the, the warlock the, the construction of the warlock class is uniquely good the first four levels are are magical making a diverse range of even things. the first five levels which frankly. only annoys me that much more that everybody built a bloody hex blade stop mm. it just stop it if you're building a hex blade you're playing dd nope. wrong no nope. no nope. but we're talking about wizards it's just warlocks are so cool okay in role play and though mechanically they may not be the best they're one of the most customizable and one of the coolest well and this is again maybe why as a dm incentivizing wizard schools and the idea of being a school, mm. that's the other thing. I love mm. the idea mm. of that, that this could be like something where you have an alumni, right? Like not just a wizard's tower of all sorts of magicians or arcane, you know, people, but just like, no, no, I went, I went to the College of Evocation down in Shady Lane, you know, community college. And and you've got like your graduating class of like four or five other like evocation wizards, mm. you know. You all kind of keep in touch with each other, um, and yeah. What sort of things would you evoke if you were to get back together with your uh, class reunion <laughs> with your? I mean, evocation is like elemental destruction from one perspective, from but divine healing from another perspective. Surprisingly, all healing spells in D anD D, except of course the reviving stuff, is evocation. Yeah. Cure wounds, evocation. Healing word, evocation. Like, none of it is, like, any other school of magic, which, again, could be its own school of magic. Restoration, like, frankly, could be. I mean, there's a question about whether or not there's enough spells for that, but it's an interesting decision to lump it in with evocation, especially, like, given it's now, like, duality. It's either a very celestial healing type thing or a elemental chaos, putting out fire damage, coal damage, all of the like those basic elements you find in evocation 
I mean, the most classic cantrip example is like Firebolt or Eldritch Blast, right? Which everyone goes on about. Again, White Warlocks are awesome. Everyone pick Eldritch Blast. Go Eldritch Blast with it. Do it, do it. I've got a scout with a heavy crossbow. It does the same thing. It's true, but it's fun. It's easy, and there's cool things you could tack on. You could add your charisma bonus to it. You could, like, pull people closer to you. You could slow them down. Yeah, yeah. If I see another warlock with Thunder's Blast, I'd <laughs> fall asleep. There's a cool way you could probably do it, you know, as there is. But getting back to wizards, I think the most interesting ability with this subclass, I don't quite remember the level 3 one, um, but I know that at higher levels you can, like, there's a, an ability called Overchannel, where you can forego rolling to deal maximum damage on the spell. This is Evocation. Evocation. 14th level, you can, instead of rolling, go boom, max damage. Right? And then it's not even a once per long rest feature. I mean, it, sure, you get it like back for another use for free, but you get one free use, and then after that, each time you do it, I think there's a certain amount of psychic damage you take. Or maybe it's necrotic damage. Um, every time you use it again, but it's not like one of those like once per sh- like long or short rest. It's right. you can continually output like a mass damage. Like, you can take some yourself, but with in, a maybe in a heroic sort of way. It in could that be clutch like moment. Forty eight <laughs> everywhere. You know, just flinging massive points of damage, especially well, and at if that you've level. Got, if you've got your cleric right there as well, healing you up mm, on his mm, turn mm. or her turn, so that then in your turn you can keep like mm. doling out the the heavy death blows. That Tarrasque will be down in no time. Mm. One thing I do want to clarify... Actually, you, you don't shoot spells at a Tarrasque. No, of course not. It'll come right back at you. Bounce right back at you. Um, that's the one thing you got to remember yeah. with them. No, don't. And here's just the thing. Like, let's just all stop fighting the Tarrasque. What did it ever do to us? I mean, it did slumber for thousands eat, of years before alone. eating everything. Stop. It eats everything. It eats dirt. It eats anything. Uh, it eats wizards for breakfast. It does eat wizards for breakfast. Uh... But so, so I do want to clarify. Evocation being elementally sort of mm. themed, would it make sense for a build to take elemental adept? If you want to focus on the specific element, I would take elemental adept. If you wanted to focus specifically on fire spells, like if you wanted to take firebolt and burning hands and fireball. Why would you not take like cold damage instead? Well, because there's can be only made. like three cold damage there spells. There are less cold damage spells than other spells in the game. Um, Don't do that, folks. That's what I'm saying. Actually, it's it's cute. Uh, to be honest, we often talk about trying to take the un, the, uh, the difficult path. Cold damage is definitely the difficult path. It is not the easiest way to go. I mean, you could always talk to your DM about renaming spells and reclassifying them yeah. to deal different and, damage types. And reskinning the, the damage type. Like reskinning sure. burning hands to be like jetting cold or whatever. Yeah. If you wanted to like, I mean, there's Ray of Frost's cantrip sure. already, you know, but if you wanted to make your firebolt into... Popsicle fingers instead of burning hands. <laughs> That's dumb. That's nope. Nope. I'm done. You've convinced me not to do this anymore. Okay. That's persuaded me not to do this. We'll go that Although way. cold's not bad choice compared to like things like acid or poison. You're not going to find many of those spells either. Yeah. Poison also being one of the most resisted damage types in the entire game does have a condition sort of aligned with it, but is really like rough, especially you, at higher levels. If you were also to focus doubling down that direction, choosing like a. Genesi that matched up with it. So I mean, that's not about it. If you really, really want to double, double, double down. Pick up some resistances and stuff. You could pick up resistance too. I mean, there's other ways to get resistance to fire damage as well, you know. Um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. There has to be another race. I think Tieflings also get it. Like, I mean, that's obviously... I, tieflings also are good because uh, they get a bump to intelligence. Dragonborn? 
I know. No, actually, no, Dragonborns don't. really are, get it rough. You get the breath, but you don't get the... You get the breath that you can do once. It barely does any damage. And do you get claws? I think you also get claws, and that's it. Ooh. You don't get any, like, scales or anything like that. Like, yeah, I the claws in. Like, that's it. They, they look cool, but they, like, mechanically, except for the new wild mount stuff, of course. The wild mount ones, the two different they variations they are suck. quite fun. The original ones suck. The new ones are cool. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely felt like when I opened up 5e and I saw those... Um, for the first time i was like okay those and tieflings i was like okay they've they're obviously like trying to find their own races to copyright here something that they can like distinctly say okay we're not pathfinder we're not these other systems this is these are our properties i think tieflings are and great. i was like okay that's cool they're making these like cool prop yeah you're right they kind of got tieflings right i mean morgan they, cannon really like, gave them like, like 10 subclasses I feel like they gave them the dragon breath and they were like okay everybody's gonna freak out that they've got dragon breath and that that's too overpowered so we're just gonna like make the rest of the race kind of like meh i mean their dragon breath isn't even overpowered it's yeah. like one of the it's like one of the weakest it's not that big a deal things i mean given a, like some classes get spells for free yeah like like the tiefling gets burning hands at a higher level for sure. free like plus other stuff you yeah, know depending which essentially variant. the dragon depending all the variants on tieflings are so many choices. i mean you don't even need to read dante's inferno anymore you could just look at all the tiefling subclasses and get enough out of that there you go i mean getting back to the school of evocation i think we're done evocation well one thing i do want to clarify as a wizard you will not be able to get any healing spells ever um they're not available to you if you multi-class in a cleric perhaps um, or some other like class that has them. If you go magic initiate and pick it up, maybe. Yeah. But, but you're not going to get any healing unless, as a wizard, unless what? Well, I thought that's it. I thought that was coming here. I thought. <laughs> no. Well, I mean, there's a couple ways. If you take the like I said, the magic yeah, initiate or multi class, maybe. But you're not going to get healing spells, no. which is an interesting idea. I think in principle they wanted it to never have healing. Yeah. It's like not this their, is a class that doesn't camp. heal. You know, this is a class that. Like their power level sort of curves. They're you. They have high utility, um, high damage output, and high custom like customizability in terms of what direction you can go with them. Uh, like with the school of magic, um, which moves us on to, I believe, illusion. Our fifth school of magic, illusion. Um, this one I think is also quite overlooked, um, especially in the higher levels. You don't see a lot of illusion spells. Um, they kind of fall out. I mean, the biggest one I think is maybe illusory dragon um which is oddly specific um <laughs> i wonder why I mean, you can dragon. make one really big scary thing and it's it does damage it's a dragon it is it's you can pretty much bring a, a dragon into combat i mean once they like walk through it then it kind of it's can all they walk through it or is it <clears throat> like um i think there is like creatures in true sight like, i mean this is like the ultimate thing is that like this and divination magic kind of get majorly nerfed because there are like things that majorly curb them like with divination there are countless spells and magic items which make things like divination just not work at all like you could wear an amulet that like prevents you from being like seen through divination senses can't be scried on um and like inversely with illusion a creature with true sight um, or a creature that can see through illusion, just it fails yeah. as a subclass. <clears throat> but true sight's not like it's not common. Just no, it's super rare. Um, but you will see it in higher tier monsters. Yeah. Um, and it's in it. It is one of the classes like subclasses that can fall like, apart like, unless you do it correctly. I'm pretty sure that Mirage Arcane, which allows mm. you to create like terrain that feels so real that even if you have true sight and you can tell it's not really there if if the caster makes difficult terrain 
true sight does not make it back to regular terrain. It's still difficult for your movement, even though you can see what it really looks like. Yeah. So there's some at the higher levels that the illusions are so powerful that seeing through them still doesn't. Mm. Your brain is still tricked into. I mean, it's one of the most obvious ones. But you can trick, like, there's a lot of illusions that do damage to you. Like that's true. Uh, they there's it's one of the less damaging classes. If you want to build a damaging wizard, I wouldn't go into illusion. Well, um, fairly at lower level. Um, sorry, what phantasmal force? Yeah, phantasmal force. But that's force. super weak for a second level spell. One d six. Yeah, but it's 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 stuck in there. It's a concentration spell, isn't it? Yeah, that one d six like. Every you set their head on fire and they're running around trying to put their or head. Or at second level, you could pick up heat metal, which does like automatically. There's no save yeah, against it. Or they have to fun than the than somebody being like you can be like so much more creative in how you dispatch a guard. It's true. Uh, there is a creativeness to it, but it may not dispatch the guard because it doesn't do enough damage. I mean, it's... Yeah, but if they, like I said, if they think their head's on fire, they're going to run off to get a bucket, and there's a bucket of, like, there's a well 50 feet it's away. True. It is They're true. running over to the well, and you're like, okay, there's our chance. Let's go. I mean, I think illusion just allows for people to be more creative in general because it forces you to be creative, you know? Like, other subclasses sort of give the description to you, and they don't really force you to think about how the spell casting works because it sort of just says... Where illusion specifically tells you to create, like, craft an illusion, like, tailored to the situation. And I think if you really want to, like, really want to flex your creative muscles and be wild with illusion, you can. But you have to know that it's reliant upon you and that the game isn't just going to let you put out 40, 10 I think we underestimate some things. Like, spells like Minor Illusion. Is Uh, very wildly roleplay heavy, you know? Well, but people do, like, like, you can make a five-foot wall with it. Sure. That people can walk right through. Well, people can shoot right through. But if you're hidden behind that that wall, mm-hmm. making your shot through it, you're an unseen attacker. Yeah. At And I don't know, like, <clears throat> again, a bit up to your DM about whether or not the other players in your party, where they can all make a check to see through the wall or whether you can let them see through the wall as a... Especially if you're like, here's again, incentivizing as a school of illusion uh, wizard... Could you be a little bit more choosy as to who gets to see the illusion and who doesn't? I mean, that's a question for the DM. I know whether or not for sure. And I think if I was incentivizing somebody who was like on the fence about wanting to do it, I'd give them that buff. I mean, it would basically do this with minor illusion. You could build a shrubbery, like a five foot hedge wall that everybody on the monster side sees as a as a hedge that obscures the characters behind it. And the characters would see nothing because it's just air. And they all just take unseen attacker uh, without having to, to hide or anything because they're behind mm. full cover. It's true. And just like tack, I mean, tack, tack, tack. The biggest thing you can make with minor illusion is quite small. And you'd have to set up time if you wanted to make sounds or things like that. And then once a creature Shrubbery discerns it, stuff. it's just translucent to them. They can tell that it's an illusion, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, the question thinking, is whether they even need to touch that, it to discern sure. it. If they can just look at it and be like, hmm. I mean, if your DM is also really mean. I'm just saying how powerful is, like you say, oh, we'd, we're not going to do a lot of damage. But as a helper spell, if suddenly you could do something like a, a hedge <clears throat> that everyone in your party gets to roll with advantage, that's huge. But it's relying on your DM as well. Sure. If your and DM could just say, the orcs look at the hedge. They roll a high enough intelligence. They can tell it's an illusion. Sure. It, wor- it fails. It doesn't work. Smart orcs. 
I mean, sure. I mean, it's not hard to see through a low-level illusion like that. Right. Or they can, I mean, look, see. they can they can take pot shots at where they think you are, and still hit you if they. Or they can spend their turn trying to figure out what the hit, the illusion they is. They can still you know? hit you. You're not like you're actually protected by full cover. The biggest thing with illusion, I think, at 14th level, is that you can make them malleable for a certain amount of time. Like you could make a bridge show up. You could rock, like, make it malleable, walk across the bridge, and then the illusion vanishes. Ooh, that'd be cool. And you could make it for only yourself, like, work for certain people as well, I feel. So you could have it's a chase like scene. It's very like Coyote and Roadrunner at that point. <laughs> yeah. It's cool of illusion where you, like, paint the, the tunnel on the wall, on the that's cave, what, I on mean, the, that's an the cliff wall, sure. and you can walk through the tunnel, but nobody else can. I mean, you could build a bridge, like, your whole party's running across it, and the enemy just falls through it. Yeah, that'd be fun. I mean, it's those are the fun things with illusion. Where if you can set them up, they work really well. But they do need time to set up, especially with the whole action economy. You end up spending multiple turns trying to set up illusions that at the end can just be discerned with a single check. It's it's a fun subclass, especially in role play and social situations and in exploration situations in many cases. But in combat, like unless you're very creative and smart about it, it can fall short. Uh, in in comparison to other schools of magic, which is my only sort of. My only sort of disappointment with illusion, but otherwise, I think it's a very fun subclass for sure. I think it's very obvious in name as well about what it is in comparison to other subclasses. Uh, and then moving on to perhaps another very obvious subclass, necromancy. Yeah, which frankly is where I would have put the healing spells. That's interesting. I mean, I I, I agree that it could be in necromancy, but necromancy has again its two sided I mean, coin. I often sort of see like necromancy as like. Those who, especially if you're playing them as, you know, as a DM who's putting, like, evil necromancers and stuff into a game, they're almost always motivated by the... And you look at any liches this way, and there's Alhoons and all sorts. This is all about life extension. They're all about trying to live forever. And undeath is, in many ways, in their minds, a continuation of the life spectrum. Mm. Um, they're, they see a much, like, bigger rainbow of, of options than most people do. And I think healing on the life side of things is just part of that spectrum. I mean, that's obvious. Like, that's the whole argument with necromancy. Like, with such holy spells like Revivify. What's Revivify? Revivify is like your cheap version of Resurrection. No, I mean, what... um, Or Raise Dead. Revivify is what school? Necromancy. Yeah, so it's necromancy. All all anything that revives a creature to life is necromancy. Even true Resurrection. Revivify is a super healing... Thing. I mean, definitely. That's one of the most sort of like we have the strangest exceptions. Because whenever you create undead using necromancy, it is sort of flagged as this is an evil thing to do, yeah. you know. <laughs> but whenever you were like revive a but person, it's how very many sort of stories about bringing a loved one back is done out of love, not malice. It's true. I mean, there's it plenty of ways to play well, necromancy mancers that aren't evil. You can play an anti-necromancer, necromancer, like a blade-style situation where you have to delve into the depths to control and, and take away the control of other necromancers using your, like, control over undead that you have, or something like that. You know, being able to not necessarily look at it as an inherently evil thing, or if you want to, go ahead, you know? But there are two sides to the coin that is necromancy, and it does yeah. get a lot of flack for being really evil. When, it not necessi- when enchantment is the real... Yeah, enchantment's the true thing. evil. I mean, people say fiends are evil. Necromancy's but kind of like <clears throat> necromancy is a lot of gray zone. Awful. You can use necromancy for good. You can use it because you're, you know, like I said, your heart's in the right place. No matter what you do, like enchantment that. is is wrong. Yeah, I mean, just making armies of zombies is probably evil. Armies but. of but look, armies of zombies. You're controlling things that are already dead. At the end of the day, you're just sort of animating objects, right? Yeah. 
Um, but with enchantment, you're literally like forcing living creatures to bend to your will and fight for you, which is in some ways way more. I am. Um, I'm working on a campaign. Uh, no major spoilers on this, but uh, the it's a, got a circus uh, component to it, and the the ringleader of the circus is a necromancer. And his troop of uh, flying trapeze artists, very Cirque du Soleil, um, there's a bit where, quite famously, they fall from a great height and land and then get up and they're okay. And it's because they're all just animated dead. Mm. Um, and he controls them uh, with his powers. Uh, and I, I've loved that idea of, of having an undead circus. Uh, but he's like he does it for entertainment value like he does it like he sells tickets mm-hmm. um and yeah it's not like he's out there you know secretly in his lair raising <laughs> undead army trying to take to, over yeah, exactly, the world trying you know? to to kill everybody he's, he's just trying to make a buck just trying to make people laugh yeah. you know but uh, you know when you have the problem is like undead circus performers they they wear out quicker than living circus performers you have to go replace them a lot more mm. so which means as you go from town to town as you wear out you know mm. your performance you got to dig up new ones and so but you gotta like there's a hard rule you can't dig up somebody and have them perform in the town that you dug them up in because mm. somebody's gonna, gonna recognize yep, old uncle burrow up there on the trapeze going wait a sec what's he doing mm. I think that's a very fun idea. I remember when we had that first discussion on that ringmaster idea, especially with our discussions on trying to assign jobs to certain characters and how like you would make someone like a weird, like a necromancer into a sort of profession. And I said they could be like a little fashion modeler or like a director. Yeah. And we sort of expanded on that idea to be the ringmaster of a circus, which I think is a very cool character concept yeah. in and of itself. And you can be really creative with necromancy as well. But that one also, you have to be careful with your DM, because if you start creating too much undead, it's going to be a real nightmare to handle as a DM. I mean, as a DM, you could make a necromancer like character that is your evil bad guy if you want to. Yeah. You know, you can make a... like. Why not? Like, that's yeah, an option. Ne- necromancy as bad guys is much more obvious. Um, why, though, <clears throat> we don't make it more obvious to have enchanters? As bad guys. It's like the Fae. Everyone thinks the Fae are all cute and dancing around. They're just all nice and beautiful, but they are evil. Your next thing you know, DM say, make a wisdom check. Exactly. Make a wisdom save. Never, like, those are final words, you know? Yeah. Make a wisdom save. Make a wisdom save. You know, you're like, what? What's this all about? You know, or even worse, make an intelligence save. Yeah. And sometimes charisma. Charisma is like, you only make charisma saves to like remain in this world, you know? Yeah. Like if something's going to banish you, it's like, they try to describe charisma. Who does banishing? Abjuration. Uh, Is it? Yeah, abjuration is banishment. Um, All banishing, imprisoning, anything is abjuration. And that's when you make a charisma save. Mm, exactly. Uh, moving on from necromancy to, which is kind of also not a very powerful subclass, just to recap. Um, these are the ways to do um, necromancers. If I were to like do a little additional thing here, oathbreakers are a cool way to do them while keeping in the paladin. If you want to go a different sort of route with that, Oof, um, death domain clerics are always an option if you want to get some more of those like. Um, uh, sort of necromancy like healing even type spells if you wanted to like focus on that um that could be an interesting like direction to go with it and even going like um the undying warlock is an interesting to like take on that and though you can like i think you still do get 
spells that let you create undead. I'm not entirely sure about that, but I feel confident that that could be a thing. Um, but there are other options. It's just a cool thing to consider. Very unique school of magic, which I think gets a lot of negative press. But yeah, I think if the party got used to your mm-hmm. undead butler following you around, carrying all your like wizard books and stuff, people are like, okay, it's not so bad. It's not so bad. Gets to know him. Once exactly. you get to know him. False Light does our Necromancy does have a couple spells which do give temporary hit points or regain hit points, like things like Vampiric Touch, which let you drain hit points out of other creatures, or a spell like False Life, which grants you a small amount of temporary. Hit <clears throat> and actually, of of the low level spells that I love, Toll the Dead. Toll the Dead is a cantrip, a D twelve cantrip. Anytime you get to roll the D twelve. Mm. I mean, two D six is always better, but it, no, no, because the D twelve does not get out of the box. Very often. It's true. Any chance to roll a d12, you should take it, because you don't get to roll that dice nearly as much as any of the other dice. It's true. It is very true. I mean, Witch Bolt has it. Toll the Dead has it. Not many spells have it, though. Very few weapons have it. Uh, yeah. I mean, if you're 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 going to see it a lot more if you're a barbarian, given that you have a hit dice and you might have yeah. a, a, a battle axe or whatever that uses a d12, but you don't see it that often. Um, it's a rarity for sure. And exciting when you can bust it out. It looks very cool. It's the unicorn of the dice. It's very... It's it's. If you have the opportunity to have a d12, I agree with you. You should take it. Don't take a hedron. Toll the dead. You get it if you're a wizard or cleric. Maybe warlock, I think. But those are interesting directions to take it as well thematically. Toll the dead. Brilliant spell. Um, it's only 1d8 typically, but if a creature is damaged, it deals 1d12. So just a thing to consider. So nice. Very cool. And scales with levels. So at higher levels, you're going to be do- outputting really 40-12, back. you know? It's not a bad investment. Imagine rolling four 12-sided dice. Completely different. I don't think anyone owns once. four 12-sided we, dice. We, we own more than four in this house. I think I don't think so. I think like only one in ten sets come with a d12. <laughs> That's because nobody needs that many. You That's just right, share right. them. D- D&D's like... No one needs that many. You don't, nobody needs to buy many d12s. Exactly. And then moving on to our final school of magic. Okay, we're fine at the end. We're at the end. Transmutation. I think the mother, perhaps, of all schools of magic. You sure. could almost describe and, all schools of magic and as... And possibly made a most famous... Because of Critical Role. I doubt that. I don't think there's anybody who's watched more... I think everyone likes the idea of like, of tra- like alchemy and transmutation. Yeah, but there's no more watched wizard in the actual play world right now than Caleb. What about Mordenkainen? I mean, nobody's played, like, watch them play. It's true. No one watched Gary Gygax play him. But he's so famous. Sure. You know? He's still running around out there in Ravenloft. I mean... <laughs> yeah, I mean, he is. I do agree that he is, like, like very big. You know, a lot of people do watch that transmutation wizard. But I don't think he, he actually uses a lot of his transmutation abilities a lot. Um, like, some of the key ones I can remember off the top of my head are the transmuter stone, um, which let you sort of, like, adapt to certain climates, like, uh, gain resistance to certain ta- like damage types, revert your age back at certain times. You know, like, it's, it's got some, like, sort of variability to it, but it's very, like, philosopher's stone uncovering the secrets of things like even they have an ability called minor alchemy where they can turn one material into another for a little bit of time but if you really want to go like your alchemist vibe you could obviously go with the like alchemist from um artificer if you want to like brew potions but if you're into like like the material the science behind magic then transmutation is a very cool subclass to like take that and take, take in that direction it's like polymorphing taking new forms and this is also where you're going to find enchanting weapons like the spells like magic weapon or elemental weapon which cool combo elemental weapon and elemental bane Whew, that's a rough combo right there but um 
it's it's very versatile. There's a lot to it. Um, whether it's be like all this like shape shifting stuff is transmutation. Like in base, I would think of it as turning one thing into another thing, or taking like one the thing from one state to another state, or altering like properties of something like the spell heat metal where you make it hot you know or or it's one of the biggest it's one of the biggest schools in a way because i think the human mind has a long and deep fascination and an easy way to imagine moving from one state to another like that Mm. it's something that that we can easily get our heads around Mm. where some of the other ones are harder I think it's hard to achieve the level of like cool transmutation that you can with the transmutation subclass than any other subclass. I'm, I'm trying to think of like an alternative off the top of my head, but there isn't something as clean in that field as just the straight up transmutation wizard. There is a lot of versatility to transmutation. I can't think of their 14th level feature. Maybe it's just the enhanced philosopher's stone, but um, it's. It's one of the those subclasses that has a lot of like different options and a lot of like different concepts behind it. And you could really build a scientific, educational sort of very like wizard wizard with it. I feel um, more than perhaps any other subclass. Master transmuter. Is it increase your? You can use your action to consume the reserve of transmutation magic stored within your transmuter stone in a single burst. When you do so, choose one of the following effects. Your transmuter stone is destroyed and can't be made remade until you finish long rest <clears throat> and the the effects you get to choose from major transformation panacea restore life hey look at that we can raise dead as a wizard and restore youth raise dead is also an interesting title i think going back to necromancy they have some weird titles like chill touch not only does it not deal cold damage it's not chill but it's not even a touch spell. It's a ranged spell. It's like a skeletal hand that grabs someone. Yes, yeah, so restore life's interesting. You cast the raised dead on a creature you touch with your stone. Doesn't burn a spell slot. You don't need to have the spell in your spell book. Does it require material components? I'm going to say no. Raised dead does not bring skeletons or zombies. It, it's like um, a better version of revivify, yeah. where you revive your friend. You return a dead creature you touch to life provided that it has been dead no longer than 10 days or somebody has touched it with feign death well i was gonna say gentle repose mm. but yes there's ways to keep things fresh oh no not no you're right gentle repose not feign death uh isn't feign death like yeah, feign death, death is making someone look like they it's really easy to raise the those who are only pretending <laughs> um that one requires to spell magic if the creatures soul is both willing and at liberty to rejoin the body the creature returns life one hit point at liberty it's like ah, i'd love to come back guys but i've got this date um well yeah if they're, li- if they're uh, like if their warlock patron is like no your soul is mine once you're dead yeah, yeah we we had this deal here's the paper we signed right here mm-hmm. at the bottom honestly if players don't want to like, like honestly that's a big thing with warlocks i'd make a big drawback like yeah you're, you're, the contract you signed, like if it's like a fiend or something, yeah, once you're dead, you're not coming back, you know? Like yeah. you've signed a deal to just like, you're I, stuck. I, a lot of them, I, Raven Queen, I don't you know. There's plenty out there that I'd be like, no, they're not letting you go. I'm so sorry. The Archfey would be like, no, you're stuck in the Feywild with us. Celestial, they'd be like, I'd yeah, say Undying, yeah, Undying would let Do you. Do the good work. <laughs> yeah, Celestial could bring you back. And I'd say Undying could as well. Because Undying's like, yeah, no, you're not dying. Come back, you know? 
That's the whole point of this. Uh, so yeah, there's a few penalties and stuff with that, but uh, the panacea one's interesting though as well. It removes all curses, diseases, and poisons. And interesting enough, there is not very many ways in D&D to remove diseases. Mm. Uh, if your DM decides to play with diseases, there's a pretty narrow scope of ways that players can go about getting that stuff fixed. Uh, uh, the DM could introduce a specific way, which is what I'd recommend if you yeah. do introduce a disease. Like give a cure a, or give a, a way to section in the, like in the DM's guide for how it. to do it. And given how many characters have got, you know, herbalism kits and, you know, nature and medicine checks, and there's ways that you can go about finding recipes for the cure and then finding the ingredients and, you know, you can make an adventure out of curing something for sure. Uh, or you just touch it with your Master Transmitter Stone. If you're at 14th level, you should be able to... Diseases should no, should no longer worry you. If you're a paladin, of course, you can also do it with your light hands. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's it. Like, if you want to stop diseases from happening, you go Cleric Paladin. Yeah. Or 14 levels and Transmitter Wizard. Yeah. Um, yeah, a little less restoration often gets the job done. I Honestly, as a DM, I would allow greater restoration. It does. Nope, not, I'm allowing it. The book says greater restoration does not fix diseases. Which is it weird. doesn't Why specifically would, say, doesn't it doesn't seem specifically like that should be in the no? somewhere. Like, if Jeremy Crawford, if you were listening to us, and I know you are, just just drop that into the old Twitter feed there, Ooh. tag me on it. <laughs> is, wait, does it specifically say it doesn't cure diseases? It doesn't, It no, it doesn't say this cannot. It just omits, it's a, an omission. It doesn't list it. Well, you would think that lesser does. restoration does all the things, a greater restoration does all the things that lesser restoration uh, does, is it not? No, it's, it's they're like kind of different spells. As a DM, personally, I would allow it. Just just me, personally. Let me just pull up the wizard spells here for a second. Uh, yeah, it's... Do they get greater restoration? I don't think they do. No, they're not wizards, sorry. What am I thinking? It's clerics. Clerics, spells. I mean... Is that, I think it's also abjuration, which is an interesting abjuration yeah, spell. Uh, think of it like protection, carrying diseases. I mean... And principle. I think I'll do a, a recap once we figure out what greater restoration is of all the things, and we can wrap up this episode because it has been one of our longest episodes so far. Well, that's because you had we had eight schools to go through. I mean, it's a big it's a big topic. In each school, it's ten minutes at least. <laughs> um, so, greater restoration gets rid of charms and petrifications, a curse, uh, which includes attunement to cursed items. Uh, it fixes any reduction to target's ability scores and anything that's reducing the target's hit point maximum. So it's a very specific list of things that it does. Um, or you can also reduce the target's exhaustion by one level. So that and at sleep, you can go down two, which is the only way to go down two levels of exhaustion in one day. Uh, and that's it. Mm. So that does not list in its thingies the same things that lesser restoration, which you're right. Like, wouldn't one of those, just in one more bullet point that would say anything that lesser restoration does or these other four things. Uh, or actually should, and the way that's written up, it should put the exhaustion amongst that list. Uh, lesser restoration says you touch a creature and can either, can end either one disease 
or end one condition affecting it. Conditions include blinded, deafened, paralyzed, or poisoned. So less restoration fixes these condition problems, which include the disease condition. It's not really a condition, but you know what I mean, it kind of is. Um, but yeah, greater restoration doesn't fix those things. If you're an artificer, could you make a periaptive health that prevents diseases? Oh, could you? I mean, that's just an end-all to never get diseases ever again. I mean, or being a monk or a paladin, obviously, but... Yeah, some, some classes have very good immune systems. <laughs> mm. Granted as well. I mean, there <clears throat> we go. Those are our eight schools of magic. Go build a wizard. Go build a wizard. Try yeah. it out. Your party you needs like. your party needs at least three of them. Oh no 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 no! You, nope. No, you're right. Diversify. Have or make a, a wizard, party a sorcerer, wizards. and a warlock. <laughs> a wizard, sorcerer, and a warlock walk into a bar. <sighs> What's wrong with you? Yeah. Old school. Major recap of all the things. Super like one two sentences for each thing. Abjuration, protection, wards. Uh, Restoration in like curing diseases but not hit points and imprisonment and banishment. Conjuration, summoning things and teleporting around. Divination, extending your own senses and seeing into the future. Um, in, uh, enchantment, evil in in little brackets. Not bracket, in literally evil in exclamation mark. Um, controlling other creatures' minds um, and influencing them using magic. Uh, illusion or no and then evocation restoring hit points healing and elemental damage like fire cold acid all that stuff damage dealing output um uh illusion uh is in the name but different from enchantment because you don't persuade them to do things you see things you uh you make them see things that's right sometimes hear things sometimes hear things uh being very creative very creative but it's in the name it's a crafting illusions um, then uh, necromancy looked as, at as evil, potentially different, um, raising dead things from the dead, restoring things to life, um, a lot of necrotic damage, which is typically considered evil, but might not be. And then transmutation, which is changing one thing uh, to another thing. And in, in <clears> racing <throat> as another point, just why, why does it matter that I know these things? All right, thank you, Jack, for the big list, but... As a player, who cares? But here's the thing. There's a number of detect magic uh, opportunities out there where things will shimmer with a sort of color, a vibe, which will tell you what school of magic they are. And if your DM's, you know, playing it like that's written, he might say, oh, it seems to shimmer with abjuration magic. And you might be like, what's abjuration And if magic? everybody at the table's like, what's abjuration the DM is under no obligation to explain this to you. Go read your damn player's handbook, mm. or listen to our podcast. Listen to our podcast. Did you miss all of that? Yeah. Did you miss our past one hour, thirteen minute conversation? Right. Rewind it and watch it again. Share it with your friends, people at the table. You're at the table, and you go, "Oh, hey, everyone, pause the game. Let's watch this episode of the podcast in its entirety." on the table so that everyone knows what each school of magic is. Yeah, because every game has an extra hour. That's right. No, put this on, on the car. In the car. In the car on the way to, as you drive into your next game. game. Yeah. Assuming quarantine is over where you in live. Your pod, in your headphones if you don't have a car. 
Yeah. Or you're on the train. Or you're on the train or, or wherever you're going. On your way to your DNX DNV session, you could listen to this podcast. I mean, there you go. Yeah. Really. I mean, I don't want to make this any longer in case this like runs or, overtime. Or you could be playing this over your Discord server to all your players. As this could be like your little like music bot, you know? Like you put your little music bot in here. Yeah. Like the groove bot on Discord and you could say, Groove bot, play this odd play, play me some podcast. Play me some like Dragon Like Sun. And then everyone can turn its volume down. But you can be like This is long yes. enough that we should have made it into two episodes. This could have been two episodes, but here we are. Our our first over one hour episode. We did it we together. Did it we together. only did it together. It was about to happen. This needed to happen. We needed to get past this threshold. And thank you so much for listening. Yeah, if you're still here. For us rambling on. Bless you. If you're still here. Bless you. Um even our familiar has gone off and got back to sleep. He's he's so cool. done. He's done. Yeah. Thank um, you very much. Thank you very much. Uh, we, we are like Dragon Like Sun. You can find us all over the interwebs. We're on Twitter at Dragon Like Sun. Drop, drop that first like. It's just at Dragon Like Sun. Drop by, say hello there. Uh, we're on Facebook. Can you find us on Spotify? Uh, we yeah, we're all over these podcast channels. If this is probably where you're finding us now. Um, go, just Google us up, search us out. You haven't uh, re- watched the rest of our episodes. Link us to your friends, do all that good stuff. Watch them. Uh, and we will talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye bye.